hope you rested okay. It can be difficult the first night in a new place. So if you didn't get as much rest as you had hoped for, don't worry about it. Being a, a slightly sleepy first day retreat and it's very normal regardless. And just how it is. But we're lucky we have a many days to kind of settle in to the practice together. Just to check, is this sound level okay for people? Anybody who can't hear? Anybody who's been deafened? Good. So you've seen on today's schedule that we have a a lot of sitting and walking and sitting and walking to help us get into the rhythm of retreat and to start to establish some continuity of mindfulness. And if it looks a bit daunting, the idea of sitting and walking all day, um, don't worry, we're going to give quite a lot of guidance today. And then as the retreat goes on, we'll have more, more silence. And so this morning I'm just going to begin by giving some general kind of um, thoughts and instructions about what we're doing and then I'll guide us in a meditation and then we'll also explain something about walking meditation together. And really want to sort of um, offer that there are different ways of picking up the instructions and the guidance that we'll give. So recognising that you come from different practice backgrounds, have different amounts of prior experience of meditation and being on retreat. And so, you know, you can pick up what we offer as simply something to refresh or perhaps um, put a little spin on an existing or established practice that you have. So if you have a a way of meditating that really is working well for you and that you're really happy to just settle into, then you can just take what we suggest as a as a lightly as an offering and see what what of it does it feel really relevant to apply to what I'm already doing. Or you can just come at what we offer with a complete beginner's mind and just you know play with all our suggestions and kind of put aside maybe more habitual ways of practicing and again there isn't a right or wrong in this it's for you to feel out what's going to be most supportive for you to try that out so um, to be kind of spacious and permissive about what we're doing in our meditation and at the same time as we're practicing and we're asking of ourselves to do a lot more practice than we normally you know, get the opportunity to do in the course of the day is it's valuable to reflect on not just what we're doing but how we're doing it and why we're doing it really and those things that actually the how of how we approach it how we go about it is, is as valuable and important as what we actually do in terms of a skill or a technique So to think about what, what we're doing, uh, I actually find thinking in images um, 
it's the most useful thing for me. And um, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to row a raft um, down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon for about three weeks, um, which is a place where the, the river has a lot of quite exciting rapids and also some very still, slow places and places where you can get caught in eddies and get stuck in the same bit of riverbank for, you know, an hour or more till you can muster the strength to pull yourself out of it. And our mind and our practice is somewhat like the Colorado River, you know. It has times and periods of immense turbulence and chaos, times when it kind of glides smoothly and still, times when we feel like we've got bogged down and stuck. And the other thing about the Colorado and what gives it its name is, uh, Colorado means coloured in Spanish, is it, it's, it's actually, uh, the colour of the river is often brown, it's full of sediment, so it's a, it's a very murky river. And this too is like the mind, our mind is kind of like a, a river that's churning along at these different paces and is often... Um, feels very muddy and murky and difficult to see clearly in. Um, and yet the, the mind or awareness itself uh, is more like clear water. It has this immense capacity for clarity, um, of purity. Um, it's something that can reflect things clearly in which we can see things clearly in and with when we let the sediment and the turbulence subside. And when I say mind, I'm referring to, there's a, a word in Pali, the language of the early Buddhist teachings, chitta, which means mind, or you might think of it as psyche or awareness. But it's something more than just the thinking mind. So there's a different word for the thinking mind and thoughts. So when we talk about mind, we're talking about this capacity we have for awareness or awareness itself. There's sense that in it, that in us which knows and feels and um, recognizes things and can be aware of the activity of the thinking mind. And it doesn't really, we can't pinpoint a location for this in us, but often it's associated with the, the heart centre, or it's kind of, you know, because to differentiate it from that which happens in the head. So this, this mind, this heart mind, this chitta, has this capacity for clarity, to be like clear, still, or clear flowing water. And so in our meditation, what we're doing is we're allowing the mind to <laughs> clarify and to become, become still. And the way that you, know, you settle sediment in water is to stop stirring it. If you have a muddy vessel of water 
and you want it to clarify. If you keep stirring it, saying, where's the clear water, where's the clear water? You're just stirring up more mud. And this is often what we're doing with our mind. We want our mind to calm down, we want our mind to be peaceful, so we poke it a bit more, we stir it a bit more. And uh, uh, that doesn't help. So what helps is when we can give ourselves permission to relax. So this is really the, a big, big piece of all what we're going to keep giving you little encouragements and nudges to do in different ways, is to give yourself permission to relax, to be at ease, and to cultivate a quality of the little soft, alert presence. So alert, yes, we want to be awake, but uh, there's, a, there's an ease within that. And this is all a direction of travel. You might think, oh, that's a million miles from my experience and where I am and what I'm capable of. But this is the direction of travel that we're moving in. And so not by forcing the mind to be still. And one way that we can do this um, is to have the sense of letting the attention come to rest or to almost to float on the body. So we can think we've got to kind of clamp the attention to our body or to our breath to corral it. But it's more like letting it float. And as Sumedha says, it's like that when a water, a water droplet gradually finds its way earthward, there's a natural coalescing and coherence. And we can kind of drop down below the surface of the busyness of the mind. There's another image, I'm going to pepper you with images, and please just take the ones that are helpful. But you know, the, the, the turbulence of the thinking mind is like the waves on the surface of the ocean, but we can let our attention drop underneath that. We don't have to stop the waves waving, but we can just drop down. And one really good way to do that is by feeling, feeling the ground underneath us. So we're developing, <coughs> cultivating a low centre of gravity. I can't remember. Yes, this Buddha statue does have that. So there's this famous gesture of the Buddhas on the night of his awakening where he put his hand to the ground and touched the earth, asking the earth to bear witness to his right to be there and to his, uh, to his awakening. And this is a really kind of um, powerful, time-honoured gesture of touching the earth, and we can use that as a kind of metaphor. And so to do that, we want to keep returning the attention to the, our sense of presence, to the sensations in the body, or to the sense of contact with the ground and we'll each find a way of doing that that feels most um, comfortable, good enough for us. And to not clamp the attention there but kind of <coughs> nudge it. So we'll, we'll choose to be bringing our attention to something and then the mind will wander and rather than kind of tightening things, it's like we nudge it and then we just relax, and then we nudge it again, and then we relax. Sort of like dropping water 
into a, into a dish. You drop in and then it ripples out and then you drop another drop. So this sense of kind of you apply the attention and you relax. You apply the attention and relax rather than uh, constricting things. And as we develop more and more sense of collectedness and coherence uh, in the present, then there's a possibility that the mind and the body start to unify and become more comfortable. And that doesn't necessarily mean that all our physical discomforts and things that having a human body entails are going to disappear, but that perhaps we can find more sense of ease and well-being in the midst of whatever uh, the body's conditions are and in the midst of whatever the mind's conditions are. And as we do that, um, more of a sense of possibility, the creative possibilities of the mind open up. So again, another image in the early discourses, the the well-trained mind or the mind that's skilled in meditation is said to be like purified gold that can be put or shaped to all different kinds of uses. It has a pliability or a malleability. And in our terms, we might think, okay, that's a mind that feels resourced and resourceful, can um, imagine and think about and negotiate the, the problems and the, the tasks of our life with more skill and more suppleness and more resilience. So that's our kind of direction of travel with the practice. And there's no success or failure in this. It's a lifetime's work. You know, the Buddha after his awakening, spent the rest of his life, he would have periods on retreat, he didn't, you don't kind of wake up and stop practicing, but practice becomes something that's enjoyable and resourcing. And in the doing of it, you know, even in the times when we feel like we just have got no handle on this whatsoever, we are developing all kinds of strengths and beneficial qualities in our strengths and capacities in ourselves, the capacity for patience, the capacity for kindness, the capacity for courage, because it takes courage to stop and do nothing and be with ourselves without distraction. I'm sure many of you know about the experiments that they did where people were kind of asked whether they were given a choice of being alone and quiet in a room with nothing to do or alone and quiet in a room administer themselves electric shocks and a surprising number of people (laughs) opted to offer themselves electric shocks for the entertainment so it's it's really um, you know and that was only for 15 minutes it wasn't like people being it was either that or be alone and quiet for 24 hours or something that was 15 minutes so really recognising that it's not an easy thing to ask of oneself. But and in doing it, we are developing these, these really valuable human qualities of patience, uh, kindness, courage. Um, yeah. 
and awareness and also the capacity to be persistent, to, to kind of set our, our mind on something and, and kind of stick with it, see it through. So I'll guide us in some meditation. Um, before we do that, let's all just stand up for a moment and just have a stretch. Give yourself a little shake. And now and any time when I'm making suggestions for movement, if what I suggest isn't right for your body, then please do your own different thing or just skip it or whatever. Ah, just take a deep breath. And then maybe you could interlock your fingers and just reach the hands up over the head, turning the palms to the sky, have a nice stretch through the sides of your body. Ah, take a deep breath. Put side to side. And if you can do so without clobbering your neighbour, you might have to angle yourself differently. Just have a nice stretch your arms out to the side. And bring them down again. Shake the hands and the fingers. And then let's squeeze the shoulders up to or towards the ears. Squeeze them up. that a few times, just because we can accumulate lots of tension in our neck and shoulders when we're sitting on the trying. And then maybe just do a few little shoulder circles, gently beginning already this practice of kindness, and not forcing our shoulders to make maxi-sized circles. In circle on the other way. And then just come back to standing. And let's squeeze the shoulders again and squeeze the fists. Squeeze everything tight as you can. The muscles in the face, you can look stupid. Nobody else is going to see you. And let's go there and give yourself a shake and do that a few times. Just squeeze everything you can find to squeeze. And one more time. And then just give yourself a little shake through the whole body, just relaxing the legs, the shoulders, the hands. Just let your arms go really floppy. Just a little bounce in your legs. Oh. Good. Yeah, if you want to make a little noise on your legs, then this is our preliminary warm up to our chant. <laughs> Let your body become still. And before you sit down, just stand in stillness and feel the after effects of just that little bit of moving in the body. 
you feel buzzing, tingling. Ah. Very good. Okay, let's find our way to your seat. sit in meditation or those of you who need to lie down for medical reasons or whatever, that's also fine it's really good to have a nice wide firm base so if you're sitting on a chair to have both your feet flat on the floor and you might need, if you're very tall you might need to have an extra cushion under you so that you can kind of sit with your legs comfortably ideally our hips are higher than our uh, knees and if you're sitting cross-legged and your knees don't reach the floor it's very good to see lots of you've got some support under your knees so that your your knees don't float but you can sit comfortably and this afternoon we'll also um, be available to give some more detailed advice or posture for those of you who might need it but some of us at the moment we're just finding what's going to work for us and also we might need to vary it up a little bit um, as we go along. So the other thing is you can be on a kneeling bench, as some of you are, and again, just checking that you've got a nice, stable, wide base underneath you. And just letting your hands rest comfortably on the legs or in the lap, so you can either do them kind of together in front of you. At the moment, I might... Like Sumeda has, you probably can't all see, but um, hands together in the lap, or I tend to like to rest them on my thighs or my knees these days, but all is good. So just taking some time to feel your way into your, into your posture and feel the ground underneath you. This gesture of touching the earth, of giving our weight of our body back to the earth and allowing ourselves to be supported. So just feel that contact, the firmness of your seat or your cushion and maybe the softness of other things that you're in contact with. where your body is earthed. And then that connection with the earth also enables us to have this sense of uplift. So that the spine is just rising up from the earth with its natural curves 
If you're on a chair, maybe there's a little light support behind your back, but really the spine is self-supporting. So seeing if you can find that place where things feel balanced, left and right, front and back, which might involve moving a little on your sit bones, adjusting the tilt of your pelvis. Letting the shoulders relax. Collarbones widen. And the head just resting on the neck, crown of the head floating skywards. body wants to make little micro adjustments we just let it let it do that we don't have to force ourselves to be completely completely still there's so much aliveness and movement within the body even in stillness helpful for you taking one or two deeper, fuller, more intentional breaths. And on your out breath, just letting the weight of the body rest into the ground. You're, you're dropping your roots into the earth. So you exhale. Just opening your attention to receive the sensations of contact with ground. Through your feet, through your seat, through your legs, wherever they're in contact with your chair or your seat or the ground.
Notice different textures of sensation. sense of gentle curiosity to this experience of being seated on the ground, on the earth. For a moment, perhaps take your attention to your hands, where your hands are resting in one another on your lap or on your legs, and just feel your hands touching and being touched. Again, the different textures and qualities of sensation. are something through which we can offer comfort, reassurance, even healing. So maybe that's something you can sense or convey through the touch of your hands on one another, on your body. I'm here. We're here. Wishing you well. As you do that, you can allow the arms to soften and the shoulders to melt a little more.
if you'd let the attention weave its way up from the hands through the arms to your face, to your shoulders, neck and face. And just be aware of the sensations in the face from the inside out. And just notice if there's anything you could allow to soften a little. Relaxing behind the eyes and around the mouth. even help to give yourself a small smile. Just imagine your attention like that drop of water flowing earthwards, just dropping down from the face, down through the spine, through the trunk of the body, and down into your belly. And let the belly relax and soften. being receptive to the different sensations of the body sitting and breathing. So you may, as you rest the attention downwards, just be aware of the body expanding, rising outward a little with the in-breath and settling with the out-breath. Letting your attention come to rest on this breathing body resting on the ground. And you can choose whatever particular aspect of that. Maybe it's the whole body breathing, maybe it's the sensations of contact with earth. Maybe it's a particular way of being with the breath that you already know. 
Maybe the touch of your hands is just a place to keep nudging the attention back to. Any time you notice you've forgotten what you're doing and you're lost in a thought. Giving ourselves a gentle nudge, we're here. can also use the sounds around us to remind us that we're here. So rather than feeling that they're an interruption to us, they're actually calling us into presence, reminding us we're here. We can feel the body with the sounds, we can breathe with the sounds.
every time we get lost or distracted, just feeling our connection with the earth again.
structure it's uh, we alternate periods of sitting and walking meditation and in the forest tradition that uh, Jaya and I were trained in it's uh, very much part of um, like a holistic sense of meditation so uh, I know in some traditions they do much less of it and they do it in different ways, but I'll just explain a little bit about how it's done in the forest tradition. Um, I'll just I'll stand up. <laughs> um, so some of you will have heard this before, I'm sure, and some of you, uh, maybe it's new. Uh, but I always find, like, I've been meditating since I was 15, and I'm almost 50 now. <laughs> And um, I find it's really good to come freshly back to the practice. So, so um, in the forest tradition, what we do is uh, often we go outside. So Ajahn Chah, who was the founder of the lineage we were part of, he very much emphasised learning from nature, um, which I really love in this practice. And so walking meditation also gives us a chance to get outside and to to open up our sense of meditation. So sometimes when we're sitting, we can. Uh, it's really good to get the body grounded and to keep a sense of flow. But when our body is, when we're just sitting, we can sometimes get a sense of like being a bit static. And when we come to do walking meditation outside, it's like we're much more in contact with the elements outside. And that can be a real gift in our practice. So we become less just self referential and at the same time there's this invitation to really keep coming back to the contact with the earth so just as Jaya was really beautifully guiding us in sitting meditation we can come back to the ground and feel our aliveness flowing come back to our ground and in walking meditation this is obviously it becomes very obvious Um, and also the the capacity to stay present in movement. So Ajahn Chah gave this really beautiful simile of like when of our heart mind, so the chitta, it can be like still flowing water, we can be both still and flowing at the same time. And we can really get a taste of this in walking meditation. So what I do, well, maybe I'll just get a something, so it's good to have something to put at the end of each of your walking paths, so often about 10 or 15 paces, and like to mark each end of your walking path, so you're not having to think about where am I going to stop and where am I going to start, and don't cross paths, because <laughs> it's distracting and you don't want to bump into each other, so... Um, so yeah, so it's to keep it as simple as possible, your walking path, so just marking each end. And then <clears throat> and then what I do is I really come to a sense of standing first. So really, um, it's like allowing the moment of stilling the body to invite our mind into this, this posture of stillness and feeling the, the contact with the earth. 
So something it's like a very simple dropping down into the contact of the earth and like letting the stillness of our body invite our mind into tasting that stillness. And then letting us, ourselves stay there as long as we need to, to uh, arrive here. As much as we can, so none of us are perfect, but it's like as much as we can to arrive here. So noticing if your mind's going up, just inviting back to the contact with the earth. And stilling. And then when we're ready, we can um, just start walking quite normally. Like often I do it more slowly than I would be walking in everyday life, but still I'm not going super slowly. And I'm really feeling the contact with the earth. It's my feeling, okay? So there is an awareness of the whole body movement and the contact with the earth. So it's this stillness and movement. And really keeping inclining your mind back to taste into this. So maybe it goes up or come back. Just keep inviting ourselves back. And then when we come to the end of the path, metaphorically, <laughs> we can still again. So if our mind is very active, that can be really a really helpful moment for Again, the stillness of the body really inviting our mind to come back here. <clears throat> and then when we're ready, we're consciously turning. So it's, it's really this exercise in consciously bringing present, presence into our movement and also tasting stillness as we're going. And if, uh, if our mind is really active, it can be really helpful to invite the thinking mind to kind of um, employ our thinking mind, if you like, so by giving it a mantra. So um, not this is not needed all of the time, but it can be a really helpful tool to sometimes have a particular word that you're keeping bringing your thinking mind back to if your thinking mind is very active and insists on taking you to Australia or to lunch or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> So it can be really helpful to just give it something else to think about um, or to reflect on or to contemplate. So um, often in our tradition, uh, they recommended using the word good ho, which is, it translated means the one who knows. So this quality of awareness that Jaya uh, is pointing us to in the heart mind. So um, like the use of mantra can help to uh, bring our thinking mind and our consciousness really to, to uh, like a doorway. So we're contemplating the one who knows. Or we're letting that touch our being and see what it does. So sometimes when I do walking meditation, I, <clears throat> I do everything I've just explained. So standing, stilling. Walking with the contact with the earth. And as I'm walking, it's like good, toe, good, toe. And so there's something very, um, it's like bringing the different parts of our being together in this. <coughs> so our physicality, 
our thinking mind, ah, and we're also connecting with nature, so there's the contact with the earth. So it's like uh, often in our existence, and often when we suffer, we're caught in a tiny, tiny little bit of ourselves, as I'm sure you've noticed. We get caught in the thinking train, or we get caught in some small part of our being, or a particular pain in our body. Um, <clears throat> and it's not to say that doesn't need to be met, but we lose touch with the bigger picture of our being. And so what we're doing in sitting meditation, in walking meditation, is we're bringing presence to different aspects of our being that can help us to largen, enlargen the picture. And this very directly connects with devotional practice, but it's, it's also about simply bringing presence to the sense of, of what we are. Um, so this walking meditation can be very simple and it can also be a very profound tool for doing that and for, for inviting these different aspects of our being together. So, so I'd really recommend that you're outside, <laughs> if you can. Um, and also I love doing it barefoot, so you're really feeling the earth. Um, and in terms of, I forgot to mention, in terms of um, your gaze, so often I keep quite a soft gaze, which is a reminder of this soft attitude, and just a couple of metres ahead of me, so not like, I'm not like going like this all the way around, so there's a contact with nature, but I'm not like um, just distracting myself looking around. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like a soft gaze, uh, uh, a little bit forward, and your hands can be as gyrous as they can be like this, or like this. Um, yeah, so it's like keeping a steadiness of attention and also a continuity. Like walking meditation is a real invitation to continuity of practice as well. Because we're all always basically here, we're always either sitting or we're walking somewhere. So we can be bringing this attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.